welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Week three in the books. 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. It's Monday morning. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons. Boy, we got some upsets. We got some upsets, Barton. Chip, this was maybe my favorite weekend yet. I agree. Of the three. This was a fun weekend. Uh, we got some upsets. We got some We got some upsets that, that we've been hyping, or I've been hyping since the, the spring. So I'm kind of feeling good about... My Mississippi State pick all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a fun weekend. I, I this and, and another weekend that had me like staying up till two a.m. Uh, just with you know with, with a game that actually was was entertaining and that that San Diego State Stanford game. So it was a. Uh, this 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 game this weekend had it all. We've got a we've got a lot of different ways that we're going to cut into this beast. Um, number one, as you have grown accustomed to over the last couple of weeks, we've got some takes, we've got some awards, uh, we've got you know ways that we want to highlight the best, the brightest, the worst from the week three action. Also, we've got some fans that are grumbling. We've got some message boards that are on fire. Um, we need to sort of take the temperature of the fan base of uh, some very very. Uh, some teams that have not gotten off to the ideal starts. Uh, we are going to dig into that as well. And, you know, we, t- we put together the CBS Sports 130. Um, it is a view of 130 teams. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of movement. We're sitting here recording this on Monday morning. Barton, I will tell you, uh, and we'll get to this in a second, there's a tie for number one for the first time ever. Uh, but there's also a lot of teams that are on the rise. A lot of juice, a lot of excitement uh, behind teams like an Oregon, like a Vanderbilt, a San Diego State, Purdue, Wake Forest, Duke. Uh, So we are going to get into that with real or fake. But I want to start with that tie at the top, Barton. Is that cool with you? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath to see who the tie is. (laughs) You know exactly who the tie is. I don't. I don't. Just tell tell me who it is. I mean, I I have an expectation of who you're going to say. But I've got thoughts on that. Go ahead. For the first time since, and we've been doing this, I think, for three or four seasons, full 130. It was 128 before that, then I think 126 before that. Full 130 team rankings. We have not had a tie at number one. We have had a different number one from what the polls have had, you know, a contrarian opinion for a certain week during the regular season. But we have never had a tie during the regular season. And Alabama, who was number one last week, is tied in points for number one with the Clemson Tigers following the Tigers victory up at Louisville 47 to 21 what you think so uh it's funny I I didn't put either of those two teams number one I actually put Oklahoma number one all right and and I and I agree with so I, I really agree with I guess not having Alabama number one and that's not to say I don't think they're the best team in college football they they certainly might be and, and and you know i probably pretty good chance i'd pick them in on a neutral field over anyone else in college football but i think at this point in the season three weeks in we no longer have to be projecting 
we can I think we can be making these picks based on what's gone down on the field and what teams have actually accomplished because if we continue to do it that way I think it'll take care of itself um, down the road and right now I still think Oklahoma's win at Ohio State in fairly dominating fashion is the most single most impressive win of the year and and they've they've absolutely taken care of business in their other two games to look like a dominant uh, you know national title type of team number one team so I, I have Oklahoma number one I thought the Clemson win is, I think it's, I mean, that, uh, Louisville to me is a little bit um, overrated this year, I guess. I don't really think, like, I don't think I've had them out in my top 25 since the Purdue game. Mm. Um, and that is a, a win that, I mean, that was one of my locks in the picks. I, I really, I don't know that I expected them to put up. I don't know what I expected. I didn't expect a, a close game. I expected an easy win, but maybe by easy I meant more like 14 points rather than 25 or whatever it was. Um, so I, in, in that sense, I feel like um, Clemson did what they were supposed to do against Louisville, and I think we have yet to find out whether Auburn is, is really legit after they struggled against Mercer this weekend. Ooh, yeah. So... So I'm not ready to throw Clemson number one yet. I mean, I, I mean, I have no problem with it. But I, I thought I thought Oklahoma was more deserving with their their Ohio State win. And then Alabama, like they're going to have plenty of opportunity to prove that they're number one given their SEC slate. Um, they've been fine. You know, they had a uh, an impressive win against Florida State. They had you know they've taken care of business in the other two games, though they've not been as dominating as maybe we would otherwise. You know, we, we've come to expect. I mean, they've you know, Colorado State and Fresno State covered, I mean, for whatever that's worth. So I think it's an interesting debate right now who the top three are and in what order. And because I don't I, I, I do not think it should be just sort of a um, standards, you know, status quo, Bama, Clemson, OU. I think that there's some real art cases to be made for all three. Uh, and to your point, like don't the scoreboard in this game was deceiving because this was uh, a 33 to 7 win at the end of the third quarter right like 47 21 they each put up a couple touchdowns but it was uh it was the fact that Lamar Jackson hey guess what he's a great playmaker and he can move the ball and score pretty quickly but Louisville's defense was also tired, and Clemson has track stars. Your boy Travis Etienne just breaking loose for like a fifty-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, this, to me, I I like the uh, I had Alabama number one status quoing all up in this place. Uh, but I I thought about having Clemson at one, and I had Oklahoma at two. Our our rankings had Oklahoma at two last week. The the fact that Alabama holds on to that top spot is probably going to be something that won't be able to be changed until they get into conference play. And that's just because even though they are not covering the spread, there's still just that like overwhelming suffocating aspect to Alabama football that I think is, even if we're bored of it, it's still impressive. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, Alabama is... I still think they're the. I mean, they're sort of who you got to go through to win a national title this weekend. And not, you know, we we'll, we won't start previewing the games or anything. But I think this weekend is their first opportunity since the opening week 
to really show. I mean, look, they they lost two of their most important defenders in that opening week game. They've they've been breaking in some new faces on offense. Th- this week against Vanderbilt is a, an opportunity for Alabama to to show us that they are, uh, you know, the number one team in the country. Frankly, I think if they go in there and beat ba- beat Vandy by, you know, I don't know, twenty four. 28 points, something like that, and just never look back. You know, have a have a 31 to seven type of win where it's just a, a dominating performance. Then that's, I think, is you know now we're 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 back to the Alabama we're we're used to. Not that they've ever left, but I just think that this, that you know, I think Oklahoma and Clemson have had more recent shows of of force, and uh, now we need a reminder how good Bama is. Can can I throw out an award? Yes, get it going. Most popular man on campus, freshman place kicker Chase McGrath at USC. Well, the kick is away, long enough. It's high enough. And it. the Trojans have won the game. Chase McGrath, the unlikely hero. Man. My, my man. Had a big night. <laughs> Dude. And, like, the the freshman walk-on. I mean, I already knew it was good. He practiced all week. Uh, even though he's a freshman, he's got ice in his veins. You're stepping in with the game-tying and game-winning field goals in a game that, like, I, I so let's let's break into the let's 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 break into this game. I don't think that I am walking away from the USC win. I am certainly glad that USC won because I believe the Trojans are uh, a very very good football team, and the fact that a Texas team whose talent level is not too far from where the Trojans are. But the execution hasn't been there. The fact that Texas showed up for this game uh, and especially defensively was flying around and making things really, really difficult didn't surprise me all that much. The way that Texas uh, was able to hang in this game and and get the third down conversions and the the scores they needed at the end was impressive. But I'm not walking away from the USC 27-24 win with much better feelings about the Longhorns or any bad feelings about the Trojans? I I agree with the the Longhorns part of it. I think that they've still got a lot ahead of them in the Big Twelve. They've got a, they've got a tough road ahead, and, and I don't know that this game makes me think that they're going to suddenly emerge as the you know winning the Big Twelve or anything like that. But I do think that this that they expose USC some. If you think now about what we've seen from USC, they got they got whooped up front by Western Michigan. They blew, you know, had a breakout game against Stanford, a Stanford what team is Stanford? that subsequently lost to San Diego State. Oh, I know. And now, I mean, Texas Texas beat their beat beat them up up front as well. I mean, they they you know, our boy Ronald Jones only had 47 yards rushing on 18 carries. I mean, Texas defensively showed up and I do think that that's a real I mean after what they after what happened against Maryland you got to feel better about your defense now if you're Texas I mean because USC has got they've got some they've got big time players offensively and for them to really limit those guys shut them down Sam Darnold really didn't get going to the last couple drives um, you know that I think has to make you feel good if you're Texas and I, I you know I think that's USC to me is is very vulnerable. Like now, all of a sudden, 
all that him and hauling I was doing over my, my preseason playoff picks, you know, backing out on Washington, going Stanford, and, you know, all of a sudden I feel great about Washington because they just they to me they're they're probably the most consistent, steady team in the in the Pac-12. Shout and, out to Dante Pettis. I don't know if we're going to get to Washington, but he just had a punt return touchdown for the third straight game. Probably not. Yeah, and now we'll, you know we'll see what Washington does when they start playing good teams. But they've 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 looked sharp. But anyway, I mean, but this this USC team I think is as some warts have emerged, and it looks like if you if you are really physical, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you can you, you could get these guys rattled. So that was one of the most entertaining games to watch of the weekend, though. And if you're talking most popular guy on campus, how about a little shout out to uh, Sam Ellinger as well? Oh yeah, uh, the true freshman for Texas, man. That kid, I don't I, I don't think he's ever going to be playing NFL football, but. God, you gotta love that kid's gumption. You gotta love his moxie. I mean, he is tough. He, you know, he was extending plays. He was making tough throws. He was making big plays late. He was he was squaring up USC linebackers and just and and you know powering forward for tough short yardage gains. Like I, you gotta just. I mean, what a just Texas gunslinger type of quarterback Sam Ellinger was, and and he he was fun to watch. Even if you know you never necessarily thought he was going to put his team on his back, he was just going to give him a chance all night long. What do you think is the future for the Texas quarterback? Like, is Bouchelle going to get that job back, or did Ellinger uh, play well enough to uh, make himself part of that competition? Because as we do look ahead for the Longhorns, I mean, the Red River game ain't far away. Things that you mentioned about how things it's going to be tough in the Big Twelve. Well, things are about to start getting spicy, like right now. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a fascinating question because he, Tom Herman likes his quarterbacks to be able to run. He likes to be for them to be mobile and and I think while Sam Ellinger isn't someone that's going to be a 150-yard rusher, uh, I, I do think he is more durable in the run game. You're able to do more things with him because he's able to take a beating. He's he is a a linebacker and a quarterback or a quarterback and a linebacker's body whereas Shane Buchel, while he is probably the same level of athleticism purely, like they probably run the same forty time, they probably are, you know, they're they're both probably pretty good basketball players, you know, all that kind of stuff. At, he's a more slender built kid. He's less of a uh, improviser. He's he's I think he's just more of a pocket kid. And I just wonder if, if, if Tom Herman's going to be more inclined to go with the true freshman after what he did on the road, first start, or I don't know, I guess his second start um, against USC. Uh, and and I, didn't, I have not watched Texas against San Jose State, but they put up 56 points or whatever it was. So he, he must have done okay there. I, I think that this is a really interesting decision that Tom Herman has to make here if, if Shane Buchel gets healthy. And I, I wouldn't begrudge him at all if he went with the – Sort of the gutsy Ellinger uh, as as a guy that just can can make some tough plays when they matter. Longhorns off this weekend, and then he going to Ames next Thursday night to play yeah, Iowa that, State. That's the one we yeah we've been pointing to that one for a while. That that one is is scary if you're Texas. Um and uh, not great news. I mean, just devastating news. Connor Williams uh, going to have to undergo knee surgery. 
This is like you can't lose an All American and n- not mention it, not think you move past it. What about some of the younger guys that Texas has up front? Do you think that this is going to be an opportunity or a way, that, a chance for them to be able uh, to move some pieces around or get someone in there that's going to be able to uh, keep them from having this be something that really, really changes the outlook of the offense? Yeah, I don't know. You, you don't lose a, a first-round draft pick and, and not feel it. I mean, I think this one's going to sting. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a one where – Denzel Okafor, you know, maybe they do some shuffling. They get Denzel Okafor on the field, uh, move move some guys around. Tristan Nicholson, who was there, you know, that there was a battle there for right tackle through the year. I, I'm not sure who ended up playing left tackle last night after Connor Williams went down. Was it maybe Jake, JP Yurkides or uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know where they how that played out. They've got some ta- some good players, but I just man, that's just. That's going to be a steep drop off. Whatever, whatever they do to me, that was that's going to be a steep drop off. Um, you know, good news is they've got a you know week to to get settled here. But like you mentioned, I mean, this is probably the toughest stretch of the year right now with Iowa State on the road on Thursday night, Kansas, Kansas State, State, OU, Oklahoma State. That's a brutal stretch, and to to go through that stretch with a new offensive tackle. Is going to be is, is is not ideal. So um, they could enter November with five losses. Yeah, I mean that Maryland loss really, really. I mean that 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 doesn't give them a whole lot of room for for error. So they're one and two right now. We we both think that's a losable game at Iowa State. And I mean, let's just say they. I think I think that would be a successful. You know, stretch if they split those four. Oh and, my goodness, that would be know, awesome. That's what what put makes them, what three and four. I was thinking uh, they split Iowa State, Kansas State, and then lose, lose. Yeah, I mean that's and then they'll. I almost feel like they're gonna they'll they'll split Iowa State, Kansas State, and they'll win OU, Oklahoma State because they're, they're just. You, I mean, you saw how they they showed up on the road against USC. Tom Herman, there's a there's a he's got a knack for getting these guys ready for, for the, the big, big games opponents. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I could see it. I could see it going two and two, but, but a two and two where they, they split those first two and then they, they beat a, a top five team or a top four team within that last, the, that last, you know, the second pairing. So, uh, man, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting stretch for Texas. Um, all right. Hey, but, but before we move on, uh, most clutch award, Sam Darnold. Yeah. How about his jump pass with a free <laughs> rusher uh, during that 37-second scoring drive where he just, you know, feathered that ball over the top and, and uh, made a big play? Uh, he's – that's – because everybody – I mean, everyone's sort of down on Darnold. He didn't have a great week one. He's – you know, he got picked off a couple more times against Texas. The reason he's still going to be – the reason I, I – I expect he probably is still the top NFL draft prospect on most or a quarterback prospect on most NFL boards is because of what he did late in the clutch when it matters. Those NFL scouts love that stuff. They love that. Like, let's see what he's about when the the chips are on the table. And Sam Darnold was was awesome in that stretch of the game. And in overtime as well, he was he was perfect. I mean, he he made some unbelievable throws. One of them was a near unbelievable catch by Tyler Vaughn's that that was ruled incomplete, but just seemingly 
couldn't have couldn't have done anything better once you know it was once he had those those late opportunities. I mean, when for Texas to score with thirty what forty two seconds was when they oh, and, and they he had, was so cool. He was just yeah. yeah, he was locked in. He's like, all right, cool, let's go do this. And I didn't really have I, I I kind of expected that he would like that was I think that's what Sam Darnold brings is you you do expect him to get the job done and. And he delivered, man. I mean, thirty-seven seconds. Like that's that that was that's a tough. That's not two and a half minutes. I mean, he's got he. There is no room for missing, and he he didn't. Mm. All right. All right. We we need to get into we need to get into the fan base, but I want to talk about the I want to talk about the 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 Bulldogs stepping up first. Mississippi State. Ah. Uh. 37 yeah. to 7. Spanked them. Spanked them. So, I, I want to ask this. Are we, like, and maybe this builds into, uh, like, the misery index, taking the temperature of the fans, just like the anger. Like, the. Do you watch South Park? Yeah, though I, I, I'm not sure I'm up on the latest. But nah, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's not an up on the latest, but just like the old. Uh, <laughs> The old like blame Canada episode, right? Right. Yeah, I saw I saw a lot of LSU fans floating around the blame Canada <laughs> South Park memes. Like, is <laughs> are I kind of I want to believe, and I need to go back and review this because there was so much all going on at the same time, and with Mississippi State pretty much dominating this game, I kind of felt like I shifted my attention over uh, to Clemson Louisville. Once that game got started, I guess it was already about midway through the second quarter, and I mean LSU didn't look like it was going to be able to do anything. Like, is this a Todd Grantham Mississippi State defense that has taken a huge step forward this year? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time watching this game because, again, Mississippi State is a team that I was really I've been hyping pretty heavily throughout the preseason, and so I needed to, I wanted to see if how they looked, and they looked good, and I think the to me, the takeaway was more pro Mississippi State than it was ne- negative towards LSU because I-, I felt like a Jeffrey Simmons might be the best interior defender in the SEC. Like he's he can totally controlled the the that LSU offensive front. He even when he doesn't make plays, he you know the guys around him or he's creating plays for the other guys around him. Um, I really liked him. I think LSU, or I think Mississippi State. Some of the like guys like Montez Sweat, who's this six foot six, just you know monster edge guy, who again is just someone that just there, there's just no space to, when 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 you're running towards Montez Sweat because he's so long. He just he just he 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 cuts down that open grass and and it, it makes it really tough. For offenses to find creases and they've got guys like that he was a juco guy jonathan abram a juco guy that came in some of those juco guys are 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 really impacting and then you've got other guys like jeffrey simmons who was a freshman last year leo lewis who was a redshirt freshman last year um guys like jerry green who was who was a who's who's played now for a couple years but Came to came to Mississippi State really raw, and now here they are a couple years down the road, and these guys are coming into themselves, and and that's that was what Mississippi State, I think Todd Grantham is a 
really good defensive coordinator, and now I think he's got a defense that I think is the most talented that Mississippi State's had in a couple years. So I think that you got to give a lot of credit to Mississippi State. Um, I think LSU's young and thinner than most realize defense was was exposed. And look, when you're playing, the LSU's bragging about paying 21, 22 freshmen, whatever they've been playing the first few weeks. Well, that that's that sounds well and good, but shouldn't LSU not have to play that many true freshmen? I know they, they feel good about their recruiting, but they shouldn't have to play that many true freshmen. And so they are a little more thin than, than people expect. Um, and and then I'll get to, you know, the, for, the, for Canada, my takeaway is I, I think if you're an LSU fan, don't jump off the Canada train yet because he, look, there were drop passes, there were penalties, there was there was a lot of missed opportunities. I still think he put that. You look at the way he, the shifts and motions, some of the binds he put Mississippi State in. They they stole some yardage in that game because of Matt Canada. I think perhaps offensively on the perimeter, they're not quite as as talented as LSU has been. But um, and maybe if you want to if you want to knock Canada, maybe figure out a way to get Darius Geis some some space touches. Yeah. I mean, because he just seemed so bottled up. But I don't know. I, I, I still think Matt Canada is the answer at, at offensive coordinator. And I still and I don't even think that Danny Etling played that bad. I think that there's, there were some, some drops by the receivers and a lot of undisciplined, penalty-ridden offensive football. So if you want to put playing the OC for that, have at it. But I think you know the, the, coordinator, the head coach deserves a little bit of that blame as well. I mean, LSU just got to clean some things up. And and uh, they're they're just they're just sloppy right now. They uh, they so so like is the is the fan base justified? You know where where you think that the uh, the fans are right now? Are they is there going to be? Because here's what I see: they're going to beat up on Syracuse. They're going to beat up on Troy, Florida, and we we got to get to Florida Tennessee here here in a second. But like, I think they could beat Florida. You know, it's it's one of these things where I think that there was a lot that's exposed, but because of what LSU has, it's like it was like I was saying last week with Ohio State, where there's just going to be a couple feel good wins that can kind of erase or mask some of those uh, some of those frustrations. Do you think that there is uh, like if you can take this young team, you can improve the sloppy penalties, and all of a sudden, by the time you hit say the Auburn game in mid October, about a month from now, this is a team that's ready to to put together a couple SEC West wins. I mean, Chip, how mediocre does the SEC look right now? I know. I mean, if you're if you're LSU, yeah, you you feel like you should beat Florida. Auburn is. Yeah. Who the who knows? Yeah. I mean, who the hell knows? Ole Miss just lost to, to Cal. You know, we'll skip Alabama for now. But Arkansas, they got handled by TCU. Tennessee doesn't look any good. A and M doesn't look any good. I mean, there's there's still a ten win season here for yeah, LSU. I mean, there, it, it's not it's not going to look as pretty as you expected. But there's Mississippi State. There's a there's a we'll find out. Uh, um, but there's a pretty good chance Mississippi State's the second best team in all of the SEC. And that's so that that I think is something you got to remind yourself if you're LSU. And while that's not super comforting when LSU expects themselves not to be the best of the SEC, but just to be among the best in the country, it still gets you through this year. 
and and so I think that there's a lot left to play for for your LSU. I mean, certainly there's a lot to play for, but there's 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 a lot of reason to expect this is going to end up being a a really you know good looking record by the end of the year too. So um, I just man, I, the SEC is just sort of trash right now. So isn't it? Isn't oh, the SEC trash? I mean, there's a lot of college football conferences that kind of look trash right now. You know, like I'm yeah. I I. I look at the uh, Big Ten's uh, not nearly as good as we thought. Big, I think. yeah, big. I was gonna say Big Ten's uh, a one where all of a sudden, like Michigan hasn't been world beaters. You know, like there's there's just something that's so um, so wet sandwich about a team that all of a sudden is gonna set records for field goal attempts because their red zone offense is so bad. Thank goodness Jim Harbaugh spent the night at Quinn Norton's house. To be <laughs> That's turning out to be the best decision he ever made. The, <laughs> like, best, the best sleepover he's ever had. Um, yeah, and like Ohio State's got its offensive issues. I mean, Wisconsin looks awesome, yeah. but um, you know the the Red, Northwestern, like all the other teams in the Big Ten West that I was like thinking about, could be uh, a dangerous like step along the way. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's. I get we haven't gotten a chance to see Miami or Florida State in a while, so it's kind of yeah. hard to to label the the ACC for what it's going to be. I guess we're still excited about the Big Twelve, but even I don't know. Even out in the Pac twelve, you come away from this weekend like really down on Stanford. Yeah, and UCLA goes and so Stanford and UCLA go both both go on the road, lose to a group of five team. Uh, not pretty. Not so. Yes, to answer your question, the SEC kind of looks trash. But I will counter. There's, I, I've got, I've got like falling confidence in pretty much every Power Five conference right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So well, but but the point remains that it's it's not even after losing by 30 points to Mississippi State, LSU's two and one. They could go three, one, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten win yeah. season. They could go ten win season. They could. They could very realistically go ten win season. And at the least, I, and I ex- frankly, I, I think I still expect them to go nine and three. What's all right? So who is uh, the angriest fan base in the SEC right now? Is it LSU? Is it Tennessee? Is Florida even in victory still frustrated? Or and I'm glad you pitched this one to me. I think that. You meant this, uh, but is it South Carolina? Because, boy, that South Carolina-Kentucky game, you were right. Props to Barton. All props to Barton. You were so smart to stay away from that game. It, it, it's funny. Like, heading into that game, I, I, I don't think – I think South Carolina is, is on this list of who's the most pissed-off fan base only because – it's it's their own fault. Like it's the fans' own fault that they're on this because they're the talk bubbling out of Columbia heading into this game was so blustery. Like they were talking about like, oh, Vegas is disrespecting us, only a six point favorite. Oh, this is a lock. Oh, the atmosphere is going to be rocking. Uh, you know, it's just it, it was it was very arrogant talk against a team that that South Carolina hadn't really beaten recently, and you know that game. I think exposed some things for South Carolina, uh, and I think it brought them down to earth a little bit. Because meanwhile, you know, as they are, I mean that that NC State game still seems like a pretty good win. But while they're 
puffing their chest about taking care of Missouri. Missouri's getting just pounded by Purdue. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is what is Missouri this year? So I, I, I just that that was, um, man, that was not shocking to me because Kentucky's just like throughout all this, Kentucky's defense is really good. Like that's something people got to realize when they play Kentucky. Their defense is really good, and their offense is one of those offenses that just sort of grinds out enough yardage to to win. And they're doing it against Eastern Kentucky, and they do it against South Carolina, and they'll do it against Florida. Like it's whether they win or not, like they're going to be in these football games because that's just sort of their mo. Um, so I don't know. I think yeah, I think South Carolina is just that was more of like a wake up call and a, a splash of cold water than than anything else. Um, but no, the 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 most angry SEC fan base is is got to be Tennessee. Oh my goodness! I mean that that message board after the game was it, it had to be three fourths of the message board had to be. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I, I I looked at it and it seemed like I didn't count, but it seemed like about three fourths of the of the topics were discussing Butch Jones <laughs> and basically calling for his head like it was a, it was a fire butch jones night at uh at, at go vols 247 um so you know they're just it's just and i don't know like what do you think chip like are they is, is it time for tennessee fans to like do they have a do they have a gripe do they have is it is it time for them to really call for his job i think that there's something that's misplaced not only by tennessee fans but even by uh the the pundits, the national media, the talking heads. Like, I, I think there's way too much focus being placed on the actual Hail Mary play and not on the disastrous red zone execution earlier in the yeah. game. Yeah. Like, if you're going yeah. to call for Butch Jones's head, don't be like, oh, my God, how do you let Tyree Cleveland get behind him? You were a track star in high school. Have you ever ran so fast in your life? I think it's about the fastest I ever ran. <laughs> Congrats, enjoy the win. Thanks, thanks. It's like, no, 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 bro. There, were, <laughs> there was a long series of events prior to that that led to this moment. That, like, the fact that Tennessee just could move the ball with John Kelly, move the ball with John Kelly, move the ball with John Kelly, and then just totally, like, just, like, sew, sew yourself up into a ball in, the, in scoring position is horrendous and yeah ten- tennessee had the best two offensive players on either team and it wasn't close and john kelly and marquez calloway and you 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 gotta figure out a way you gotta to get touchdowns if you've, got, if you've got those guys and 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 the other yeah and, and to your point like yes a not only did they not hand the ball off in short yard situations to john kelly but on, on the goal line Look, if you're not going to hand the ball off to John Kelly, take a couple shots with with uh, Marquez Callaway and just like like uh, Indiana did against Ohio State, where they threw like three straight fade passes, goal line fades to Simi Cobbs, and he he's going to get one of them. And so I, I feel like Tennessee, I, I agree. Like there was some serious head scratching to the point where like they were on like fourth and inches, and Tennessee's in the shotgun type of stuff, <laughs> you know. And I just that that's that I don't I don't get it. I don't get it either. So, like again, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be screaming about this game and about Butch Jones, remember that it's so much more than that last play. That last play was 
In trouble in the backfield. Wants to throw now, and he's going to go deep. And I mean deep. And I mean touchdown, Florida! Tyree Cleveland in a miracle finish. A Hail Mary that's full of grace for the Gators. It was awesome because college football is awesome, and these kind of finishes are always exciting. It was awesome because it cashed that cover in the most inexplicable way because you weren't going to get a five-and-a-half or four-and-a-half-point cover in overtime. No, that was going to be a field goal win. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that one was – yeah, that that was – with me sitting on Florida minus five-and-a-half, I – I got. A, there might have been a little fist pump in the in the, in the Simmons living room when that, <laughs> when that when that hail mary hit. <laughs> uh, but like, I I don't. I, if Florida fans are not angry, like if this alleviates, uh, like I I think that this might mask the fact that Florida's still not good. I, well, that's the thing is I don't I I don't know that it does mask anything because it was so clear in that game that this is not two big time football teams playing. This is just two sort of above average football teams. Just you know, someone's got someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. Like it just wasn't there. There was there was no point. Where I was like, oh, this is man, we're oh this like what even the USC. Uh, Texas game at times I was like man this is this is fun it is good football but it was just someone's got to lose for Florida Tennessee um, I think if you're if you're Tennessee you still like the as discouraging as that loss is I think if you could look at the rest of your schedule and say you know what though like if you could pull an LSU and say we could still go nine and three you could still go ten and two uh, then you don't then you're okay with it I just think Tennessee fans are losing the faith in the coach to, to get that done. And when you've got Alabama and LSU may not be as tough as you thought against the other side and on the other side of the division, that makes it that much tougher to do. Um, and so, and Georgia looks pretty solid right now. And, and so I think that that's what discouraging part. If you're, if you're Tennessee, I do think the the one thing to hang your hat on for Florida is you might improve here. Like you've still got a redshirt freshman quarterback that is talented, that's got a 65-yard arm. You've got nine guys suspended, and maybe these guys come back and give you a, a, a boost. Uh, you've got a stretch here, Kentucky, Vandy, that you know, feels pretty winnable, LSU even, A&M. I mean, you got a four-game stretch that feels pretty winnable. Like I, I just think if Florida can get – there's a little bit more faith that I've got that Florida can get rolling and then figure things out. Um, it's just harder to have that confidence, I think, in Tennessee. Am I? Are, are you with me? Mm, I don't know if I've got that confidence in Florida. Do you have more confidence in Florida being? I mean, I guess they just won the game. But do you have like? Do you have more confidence in Florida by the end of the year looking like a you know New Year's Six Bowl team than Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> is, is there could either of these teams? Allow that type of vision for you. In the six games that are involved in the college football playoff, the two semifinals and the other New Year's six games, there will be one SEC team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's Georgia and Mississippi right, State. Georgia, yeah, yeah, you're right. Georgia they, and Mississippi State could be up there. But, like, 
Man, I don't know. They're they're bad. You yeah. know? I mean there's there's only but so many jailbreak screens to Brandon Powell that you can throw in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Kadarius Tony looked pretty good. They're at the freshman. Kadarius uh, Tony did look pretty good. I'll give you he'll, that. He'll you know, he may provide an, an option for them down the road, but man, they need Antonio Callaway. Because uh, right, John Kelly's good, but I've had this weird sneaking suspicion that our assumption of a really nasty and good Florida defense, particularly, uh, I don't know. I just, I've, I've got a, a sneaking suspicion that teams are going to be able to move the ball against on the ground against this Florida team in a way that maybe we're not used to. Yeah, and uh, the the one thing I hated about that game was John Kelly dropping uh, the potential game winning touchdown um because he didn't he he deserved something good to happen at the end of that game he 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 was the best player on the football field either side of the ball and i i would have loved to have seen him make a play to win it rather than sort of be a reason why they lost it uh because he was the only reason tennessee was in that game um but i'll give you another fan base that would rival tennessee right now all right how about nebraska Oh it's, boy! It, when you are calling, when the message board is not to call for the coach's job, but to call for the, the AD's job, then you're on the next level of <laughs> of, of of fan angst. Uh, not a pretty sight for Nebraska losing at home to an average Northern Illinois team, uh, thanks to two pick sixes that accounted for two thirds of the your opponent's points like it just just a not a pretty sight i felt some vindication i thought i was i hoped that i made it clear in this forum but i i felt like i was pretty strong on the so you're telling me two lanes tanner lee is the answer take going into the season really paid off in this particular moment yeah yeah um yeah, the, the the Tanner Lee hype, hype. <laughs> <laughs> that went off the rails a little bit. Um, like basically goes down to the Manning Passing Academy and like is you know gets the gets the Archie Manning uh, sort of seal of approval, and all of a sudden he's first round NFL draft pick, and Nebraska's got everything they've ever wanted a quarterback. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, 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 buddy, 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 buddy. This is this is an upgrade from Tommy Armstrong. Are you sure about this? Yeah, it's funny. Like now, Nebraska, they now they line up under center and they run pro style stuff, and it's it's like, well, the one the Tommy Armstrong for all of his his flaws, he was a playmaker who who could he he could do some things with his legs that get you out of trouble and, and add some some explosiveness to your offense that uh you know that you don't have anymore with Tanner Lee and now it's just Tanner Lee lines up and under center and all he's gonna do is I I, I, I don't know what's Tanner Lee's identity like he just he's just a I guess a he can go through his progressions like <laughs> is, that, is that what we like about him I don't uh, know like uh, that that's yeah I, that's a great call I, I i'm not i'm not on the tanner lee train um nebraska ad sean eichhorst by the way i think was one of the uh, I, I i don't want to get this wrong but he was definitely one of the athletic directors 
uh, at some point tied to Miami. It's like it was like Kirby Hokut and Sean Eichhorst or Sean Eichhorst, then Kirby Hokut. But I need to I need to like track this down. But I just remember at the time when all the NCAA stuff was going down, just seeing ADs split town, and I was like, oh man, that, yeah. was, that was quick. Nebraska's got a weird pattern now of just like hiring coaches just because they're the opposite of the previous coach. Like, um, you know, Frank Solich is is running the option and we want to modernize, let's hire Bill Callahan and just start running pro-style passing attack. And that didn't work out. Okay, let's uh, hire some sort of boring, a um, couple boring guys. Let's, let's go just... You know, Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini just like angry at the world. Um, you know, that's that didn't work out. Okay, we don't like the jerk. All right, let's hire the nicest guy in college football, uh, Mike Riley. Uh, this isn't working out. Like that 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 hire was such a shoot for like the they weren't shooting for the stars. They're shooting for like the you know the the neighborhood tree, the top like, of the radio to tower, the maybe. You know, like yeah, just just like let's just. I mean, if 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 eight and four and good enough. Got Nebraska, why are you hiring Mike Riley? I mean, you're hiring eight and four. That's what you're doing. And so that, you know, I'm not surprised to see this thing going south a little bit right now. Uh, I I want it to get turned around because Mike Riley is the nicest guy in college football and you want to root for him. But I don't know. This doesn't look pretty right now. Well, Nebraska's had a, uh, a streak of sellouts. But if that were to end because of this frustration, you might be able to get tickets to go see Nebraska with SeatGeek. Because yes, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but with SeatGeek, it is better and simpler because it is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. I mean, we're talking sporting events, we're talking concerts, we're talking plays, anything you need. It is all easy with the seamless mobile experience where you can buy and sell tickets with just two taps. So maybe you're a Nebraska fan looking to sell those tickets. You can do that on SeatGeek as well. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Since there's nothing like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, you need to get SeatGeek so that you can get even closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and gives you an amazing deals. They grade every ticket based on value so that you can immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And since every purchase is fully guaranteed, you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. No worries about any kind of shady brokers or not being able to get into the event. And best of all, the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast listeners can get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code 24-7 today. That's promo code 24-7 for $20 off. 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Mm. Nebraska. All right, uh, what about what about the Auburn what about the Auburn Tigers? That grumbling. You know, that's that's a mad fan base right now. It's funny that you that you say that. Like right as you as you mentioned that, I'm looking at Twitter and Cole Kubelik just tweeted nine quarterback rush attempts for Auburn in the last two weeks. Petway fifty six, Stove one, Cox the fullback one. That is like there's something going on at Auburn that I just don't understand. Why do you play Clemson? who's got the two best defensive tackles in college football and a 255-pound middle linebacker 
and run nothing but north-south between the tackles with your converted fullback running back. Why is Auburn incapable of getting plays on the perimeter guys to the perimeter in the run game? Like, the, what, what world are we living in and where Cam Petway is this – like, he's a battering ram. And he's a great back when you've got other players to, to, to add some texture to your run game. But if you're just going to pound him through the, up the middle, what are, you, what are you accomplishing? I don't get what do Auburn's doing offensively right now. And I didn't watch the Mercer game, but that statistic basically tells me everything I need to know. I mean, I know, that they're, I, I know what their pr- offensive production was and – you know, I, 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 I wrote that they need to run Stidham more, treat him more like a, a running quarterback because that's where Gus Malzahn has had success. But he's but, – but, but that's not the only option you have. I mean, you've got Cam Martin. You've got other receivers. You've got – I mean, you've got other options that you can get the ball to on the edge. And it doesn't seem like Auburn is interested in doing that. So I, I'm – I think there's a real issue at the at, at offense, and I think that that boils down to Gus Malzahn. I mean, I think we've found Gus Malzahn. If he doesn't have a a super dynamic, athletic quarterback, he he's not the offensive guru that he is otherwise. I mean, he I, I did the numbers. I think that there's uh, I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but in my story last week, I wrote it. it they ever in the last eight years, Gus Malzahn has had four mobile quarterbacks. In the four years in a mobile quarterback, they averaged like 36 points a game. In the four years they didn't have a mobile quarterback, they averaged 29 points a game. Mm. So, I mean, that's a – you know, I know you get some sort of a Cam liar, a Cam Newton outlier year in there. and um, But, I mean, there's a couple years of Nick Marshall in there. There's a um, – uh, you know, the kid they had at, I guess it was Arkansas State, I think was their quarterback they rushed for. Or what, anyways, one of those years. It, it, either way, like there's just a, a, a disconnect right now with what Gus Malzahn wants to accomplish on offense and how and and the personnel they have to do it and or just their ability to do it. And I, I I'm I'm way down on Gus Malzahn and I, I'm I'm not gonna blame Chip Lindsay for this because the offense still looks like Gus Malzahn's offense. It doesn't look any different. Um and so they they gotta get some things figured out. Because uh-huh. that that defense is too good to waste. Yeah. But like okay and as as we're starting to consider like the the fans and you know anger for the coaches mm, like like this is another spot where in the SEC the weak SEC is going to give them some chances to be able to ride that defense but a home loss to Mississippi State in a couple weeks that could that could send things spiraling yeah, you, and that's another. I mean, you're if you're going to try to be a downhill football team, that's what the one thing Mississippi State doesn't. They're not going to be a team. You're just going to be able to pound into the dirt. You're, you're going to have to figure out ways to to make those defensive linemen run east west. You're going to have to get those guys going and and you know and uh, get their eyes going and. and in the wrong places. I just think that that's a team that's built to handle what Auburn does offensively. So that's going to be interesting. So yeah, I think that the Auburn fans have a serious, like they're griping right now. And I think they've got a, a fair, a fair gripe based on just what the offense has looked like through the first three weeks. Um, all right, let's, let's get into some real or fake. Um, 
before we do, uh, can I just state how much I, how good I think Oklahoma State is? Oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> we can definitely do that. Oh, oh you I, mean the team that averaged seven points per drive against a Power Five opponent on the road? Yeah, Mason Rudolph had like 400 yards passing in the first half against a team that just held Trace McSorley to 168 yards passing on the road against Penn State. Yep. I mean, this team is is they're they're sick, man. Like their their receivers are they have they have like five that are are would be number one guys most places in the country. I mean, they're they're fun to watch, and I I really think if you don't have them ahead of Penn State in your rankings right now, then you're not really paying attention because how do you they they, they have I mean, Oklahoma State's look great through three weeks and they played the same opponents and one was at home one was away one team got outgained and one team just act, looked like they were playing an FCS team. I don't know how Oklahoma State isn't ahead of Penn State in the polls. That's sort of, you know, who cares? I guess it all gets sorted out. But it, that's just that's the way I do do my I handle my polls is I don't really look at sort of like where the, uh, you know, what the status quo is or just sort of let teams sit. Like at this point in the season, we're still learning so much about everybody, and I thought that game taught us a lot about Oklahoma State because that was a trendy upset pick, you know, out games Penn State on the road. They got. They got Oklahoma State coming in at 11 a.m. Central Time, and you know Pat Narduzzi's going to cook something up and and forget about that, man. For, no, exactly. No one. <laughs> you know who wasn't calling for an upset is your boy right here, who definitely had Oklahoma State against the spread comfortably, yeah. comfortably. Um, they they're sick, and as as we're like continuing to talk about the the shifting conference power landscape i don't know what's going to end up happening like tcu got into a weird game it was like the reverse arkansas game against smu where like instead of like grinding it out uh it was just a shootout against the mustangs which you know given stylistically is uh is not that big of a surprise and smu's defense isn't really worth much they hit, hit on a lot of big plays but like West Virginia, we'll see. Kansas State takes that loss at Vanderbilt. Um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, that's about as good of a one-two at the top of the conference as I'm looking around and seeing right now. Right now, yeah. I don't think you can make an argument otherwise. I mean, look, what they, Oklahoma State may get exposed. Oklahoma may get exposed. Ohio State maybe isn't as good as we thought. Maybe Penn State, Wisconsin are better. Than we th- I mean, who, who knows? But right now, based on just body of work, what we've seen so far – I think you got to call that the best one-two punch right now in, in any one conference. Um, we'll we'll see. I mean, obviously, ACC's got some options there along with Clemson too. But I, just based on what they put on the field, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is tough to top. All right, uh, let's stay right there. In no, let's uh, let's go to the Big Ten. You just mentioned him, Purdue, Jeff Brom train. It's it's picking up a lot of picking up a lot of passengers right now. Oh man. Man, this is impressive what they're doing right now. Right? Real, mean, just, real or fake? Purdue as an eight-win team. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Ooh, let me see. I got to pull up their schedule really quickly here. Um, I think – I don't know. You, you start. 
I'm going real. I, I, I mean, they're real. They're like eight wins, like they are real in terms of like, if you are Michigan, you better keep, you better show up for this game because you could get beat. Like they are real in that regard. So, yeah. All right, you talk, and I'm gonna I'm gonna count my wins here. I I think the Big Ten West for the most part is a division where based on what I've seen and again this could all uh this could all get turned over as the you know Big 10 schedule unfolds and as more teams start to you know get tape on Purdue because there there certainly has to be on some level uh the the shock factor or the advantage of this new personnel new scheme being able to come out and get things done uh and really dominate teams but I just don't th- see between like uh, Illinois, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, uh, even Iowa, you know, and I, I just don't see a team. I don't see any one of those teams where I'm going to say that they are definitively better through three weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I think they could go like seven wins. And so maybe, so maybe I'm not at eight, but remember in our win totals, preseason talk their, their win total was what was it two and a half it was yeah three it was like two and a half three three and, and a half and we were like yeah i think we'll be they'll be better and then you know probably get the over maybe be better and hit the under like that was our talk and and here they are and and they're gonna blow that out of the water but it's just a matter of do they beat a can they knock off a michigan or a wisconsin or or and, and if you look at it beyond michigan wisconsin there, there isn't another game on their schedule that isn't winnable it's, yeah, it's like a matter of when you go into Evanston and Iowa, those back-to-back games in November, like North Northwestern and Iowa have head coaches that have been there and rosters that have been in place, and are you just going to end up losing those games because it's a conference foe and the other team comes out a little bit better than you were on that Saturday? Yeah, I mean, that – and look, I, I guess – Missouri and Ohio aren't world beaters. They did play Louisville really close and almost beat them, um, but they don't have a world beater schedule. This is, regardless, this is the most impressive first year head coach in the country. Is he going to uh, jump? I don't. I don't see him being a one year and gone type of guy. I don't see him. I don't see a lot of Todd Graham in in Jeff Brom. Dream I just job. Think he's got a little. I think he's got a little <laughs> more integrity than to just like be looking over his shoulder year one. So. I'll give them a couple years at Purdue, but they're and hey, I mean Purdue's got some. They've had some good seasons. I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but they. I guess what I was getting at is maybe you could make Purdue a, a really like compelling place, and maybe, maybe want to stick around. But that money's gonna be calling from somewhere in in year three. The, they're gonna call this year. When you're gonna call, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you are the when you are the hot offensively offensive pedigree coach especially with some quick success at a Power 5 school, then there's going to be a top-tier Power 5 school that's at least going to put in a call. So, Chip, here's here's why the SEC is struggling right now. is because it's a mediocre-coached conference. And the reason the Big Ten is has uh, surged is because of the hires they have made with Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin and, and Urban Meyer – and Paul Christ, and I mean those are all great coaches. DJ Durkin, you know, is is a really good one. Lovey Smith is is a. We'll see. We think he's probably a pretty good coach. He's a heck of a name, 
I mean, that's just a really well-coached conference. Pat Fitzgerald, across the board. P.J. Fleck. I mean, that that's they're all these really – what what we think of are really good coaches. And now you had Jeff Brom in the mix, another really good coach. I'm just sitting here thinking how many SEC teams would trade their coach for, for Jeff Brom. And I know it's early – the sample size is young, so maybe there's a couple realists out there that, that think this is, that would be a little bit uh, reactionary. But my hunch is that Jeff Brom is, is a better coach than most of the SEC. Wow. The, I mean, Do you disagree? Do no, you disagree? Who's, no, who, no, who I do love you think it. is probably a better coach than Jeff Brom besides Nick Saban and Dan Mullen and uh, who else? I think Brett Bielema is a good football coach. I think that there's, uh, I don't know, there might be a, a, a ti- an egg timer on him at this current spot, but I think he's a football coach, a capital F football coach, and I think that if his time at Arkansas runs out, then whatever his next stop will be, there will be success there. I think that the jury's out on Kirby Smart. We still got to figure out what's going on there. Kirby could be, yeah. He, he, I, I don't, Georgia certainly wouldn't trade Kirby right now. No, definitely not right now. I mean, Arkansas would trade Brett Bielema for sure. I just think I'm just a Brett Bielema fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but he it, looked it, you know, up on teams in the Big Ten. Right. He, he had Wisconsin rolling. The fact right. that the fact that it hasn't worked out for him at Arkansas, I will I will stand by this. I think that it is a combination of a the Nick Saban era and b just some of the limitations at Arkansas within that division, um, just sort of in the time frame that he's been there. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's. I, I think Jeff Brom is, and we. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves because he hasn't played anybody yet. Um, oh, no, little... let's get ahead of ourselves, man. This is what it's about. <laughs> this, hey, I'll put it this way. We're going to learn a lot this weekend. Michigan. Eight-point favorites. We're going to learn a lot this weekend. Eight. It's going to be fun. I feel like eight is begging you to take Purdue. And, and, they, and, uh, and Vegas thinks that Michigan's ten points better. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, I got another one for you. All right. Uh, real or fake? Uh, how about the Vanderbilt Commodores? I think fake. We're going, that's another one we're going to find out this weekend. We're going to find out this weekend. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, that I well here we have believed Vanderbilt to have a nasty defense basically since Derek Mason showed up, correct? No. First year they first year was nothing. Bad. First year there is a there was not a a speck of of positive to hang your hat on. Like you couldn't find anything about that program in year <laughs> one under Derek Mason where you could say, Well, at least they got this going. Like there was nothing. But he, he found his magic sheet, remember? He had some he play call sheet that he didn't misplace. And it's been all downhill ever since. <laughs> um I I am not uh I'm not ready to jump on board Vandy just yet as anything more than a bowl team. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little more bullish. And I I mean the the, the line's eighteen this week. 
Uh, I think Vandy covers. I don't think they win or anything, but I think it, they keep it respectable throughout. And I, I think this team, it's so like I say that in that first year, it was it, that was. I live in Nashville. I have seen some really bad Vanderbilt football teams in my lifetime. That was that first year was the worst that I can remember. <laughs> That's saying something. But they they the the administration gave him time and he's recruited his guys and he has has had massive turnover in the coaching staff and now they've had some continuity and here we are and they they look I think they look really good. They're really well coached. I think Andy Ludwig is, is quietly one of the better offensive coordinators in college football. And Kyle got Shermer's your guy. Kyle Shermer Kyle is Shermer, your guy. That is legitly a good quarterback. Legitly is a good quarterback. <laughs> uh, he's and and that's makes all the difference because now that teams can't stack the box against Vanderbilt because that guy can deliver on the outside. So I think this team's good, and I think that they're going to be. I th- like I, I'll say this: I think that Vanderbilt f- fans can have can can hope for an SEC East title and not be crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that I mean? real. That's too real for me. That is keeping <laughs> it way, way too and real. And like, hey, that's, that is a commentary on how bad the SEC East is more for than sure. it is a commentary on how good Vanderbilt is. They, but, so I, I don't think they're going to have a chance to beat Alabama at this point in the week. Uh, but I think that they can win every – I think that there's not an SEC East game that they can't – that they are, aren't capable of winning. Mm. Real or fake, the Oregon Ducks? I think they are... I think they're... I think they're... I think they're real. I kind of feel like you... Are. I feel like you were... Is this is this coming back around after seeing... After thinking that Craig Bowl had something cooked up for him in Laramie? No, that wasn't even necessarily a knock on Oregon as much as I just thought that Wyoming was. I thought I, I thought Craig Bowl had something cooked up. I just thought they were walking into a little bit of a hornet's nest, and they Wyoming wrecked they shop. Weren't. Hey, they, they you like your points on the podcast were like they did kind of wreck shop in the Mountain West last year. Yeah, there was there was I, reason to buy into the stock, but what what I didn't what I didn't realize was that they've lost basically all their weapons offensively and that seems to really have mattered like they they just josh allen doesn't have anyone to throw to if he has no one that could get open uh but credit oregon i mean they took care of business and they it was never ever in doubt and i think they're you know the more games they win early in the year the, the more they're going to believe, the easier it is going to be to buy in to Willie Taggart. The I, I just think they could they could ride some some self created momentum, and you know and 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 have a really good year. And so I, I'm I, I think I'm on board with Oregon. All right. Um. Let's see. We, you want to throw a real or fake out? Yeah. Let's see. Real or fake? Cal. Fake. <laughs> fake yeah yeah i'm not i'm yeah. not I, i'm not out here like hey hey hey! look who went three and oh in their non-conference slate and is really ready to make some noise in the pac-12 north like i might be i might be trending down on stanford and i think that there is like some deeply deeply upsetting things from that san diego state game that have made me very sad inside in terms of 
my believing that Stanford is going to be uh, a team to be reckoned with. And Wash, I'm more on board with your thought that Washington is the best team in that division. But especially when like like I've got that yeah I've got them slated above uh, I've got Cal slated above Oregon State, <laughs> but. I, I think Washington State's better. I think Oregon's better. I think Stanford's still better. I think that you're just you're still dealing with a team that is like fifth place in its own division and will be hoping for enough uh favorable wins or like upset wins along the way to be able to make a bowl game. Which would be great for Justin Wilcox. But Well said. Well said. I can't say any better than that. I think that I think you're right. I think they're fake and that's be there they are they're better than people thought, and Justin Wilcox is doing an unbelievable job. They got those guys playing defense uh, overnight, and they're going to be dangerous for some teams in a different way than they've been dangerous in the past. But uh, I am not ready to to have them emerging in, in the division yet. But um, but again, I think this is one of the the more pleasantly surprising hires in college football is the way Justin Wilcox has these guys playing defense and, and, and getting some wins here early. Um, that win this weekend is, is more of a, uh, a discouraging loss for Ole Miss, I think, than it is anything else. Real or fake, future Alabama coach Dave Clawson getting it going <laughs> with the Demon Deacons, putting it on Utah State on the road. Yeah, you know I'm on the real train here. Uh, again, Year four, we don't make Dave Clawson didn't, doesn't believe in the overnight changes. He's he is incremental, <laughs> year by year, one extra win, one percent better every day. Uh, this is you know this is it, it takes some time at Wake. They registered everybody they recruit. They 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 their roster has was terrible when he got there, and now all of a sudden here we are, and Wake is is. They're not just beating teams; they're blowing them out, and that's I think kind of exciting to see. I think they, you know, he his he got the defensive coordinator from Minnesota when Mike Elko left. I thought that was a really good hire at DC. So I don't, I don't think they're it's not a huge drop off there. It's you know they've they've got a lot of guys back, a lot of experience, and I just I like Wake. And, you know, now Dave Clawson will be the head coach at NC State next year, and then maybe he'll be the head coach at uh, – in four years after that, he'll be the head coach at, like, you know, um, Wisconsin maybe. And right. Then, and, and, then, and then maybe it's Florida and then Alabama. You know, I don't know. It, it's just it's – a, it's a slow grind with Dave Clawson. But here we are, and I think we're, we're hitting the uh, – we're, we're turning it around this year. Big, big game for the these – very real i will be jumping on board the like very real they it seems like sneaky but they're gonna go play at app this weekend that's a spot where um i think that if they blow app out that'll tell me something yeah i mean that's a game preseason that you circled and, and and you said, wow, man, this is going to be a tough season for Wake. They got Notre Dame out of conference and Appalachian State. But now that we are 3-0 and with with no, you know, with, with blowouts over Utah State, blowout over BC, now all of a sudden this feels like they should win it. But, and I don't, this is another, I mean. Oh, you know how real it gets? I'm calling Wake Forest at Notre Dame. Boom. Demon Deacons take them down in South Bend. Hey, 
they're about to go on a stretch here where they better be real cuz yeah. cuz it's it's about to be at app Florida State at Clemson at Georgia Tech Louisville at Notre Dame and then you get at Syracuse NC State Duke so I don't know man I <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a seven. It'll talk, be a seven. I may, I may have talked myself into this wake deal, but they, this is—it's going to get really brutal for them here now. But so, if, and this is the same thing that happened last year. They didn't win quite as dramatically this last year as they did this year, but they started out hot, and they have to start out hot because the rest of their schedule is 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 tough. And then you just hope you emerge on the other side as healthy yeah, as possible. Yeah, and then you and then you're just holding your breath that you beat BC at the end of the year, and and you know that that was last year's deal. You know, this year they. They're gonna have to get to where they're just they gotta go three and zero against Syracuse, NC State, and Duke, or you know potentially. Um, so I, it's this is the type of team I think that would beat like a Louisville though. This is the type of team. Oh, I dude! Think, after Wakey Leaks, I, that's, that's a rivalry game. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, no way. <laughs> Wake Wake knew, man. Wake Forest called. Uh, they blew the whistle. They said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, you. We didn't have that on tape." Somebody knew something. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a fun one. So yeah. I don't know. This is I. As much as I like Wake, I don't know what we're. I don't know what constitutes real. But I, I think this is a game. This is a team that like Florida State better better. They better have their ducks in a row when they play them. All right. What about on the other side for Duke? Real. I told I told you that I I think Duke can be real. I will say that some alarm bells went off during the Baylor game for me. But how how like their defense still played pretty well though, right? Defense. I think their defense is, is a lot better than people realize. Agreed. Ben Humphreys, I, I really like him. Um, the uh, you know they've got a, a, a couple defensive backs that I think are are, are playmakers. They got some young guys, true freshman Drew Jordan making some plays. Like they've got some guys I think that are um, that are good on defense, so they don't have to be world beaters on offense. I think Daniel Jones is is really good i know he didn't have a great game this week but i think he's good enough and he's athletic enough and and to to, to be a threat with his legs that they're going to be a tough out for teams so i i still like duke a lot and i think they'll be towards the top of the division um so if that's calling them real i'm going to take it but uh you know i don't i, I don't think they're going to win the the i don't think they're going to win the division they're not going to win the division um let's see we got Vandy, we got Oregon, we got Cal, we got Purdue, we got Wake, we got Duke. What about uh, Kentucky? Bowl team. Yeah. But bowl team by virtue of enough SEC win, uh, SEC East wins to sort of cobble it together. Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating game this weekend against Florida. Um, oh my god! If Kentucky wins, oh my god! It, yeah, is it? Are they, are they still running that like twenty twenty something game win streak? Yeah, yeah. So this, this is man, <laughs> Kentucky. Y'all got to get it together this year. This is your year, man. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a fascinating game. The it's a thirty game I, win streak. I I still I still think I would I would go fake here. I mean, you don't watch that. I, I do. Th- I, I want to say real on defense, fake on offense, and and fake altogether in terms of like I don't think 
uh, golly, this is, I mean, they're just, I don't know, like, they're, they're just, they're just, I mean, they're okay. Like, they'll probably go seven and five. I oh, guess. my gosh. And this is in the, uh, this is in the, the deli aisle. The great Kroger Field. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, you don't step into the deli counter and not bring your A game, Florida. I hope that you, I hope you don't have a hangover from the Hail Mary because uh, it's buy one get one loss over here at Kentucky. Like Kentucky should. I mean, they'll beat Eastern Washington. They should beat or Eastern. Um, who are they playing? Eastern Michigan. What you use that? Anyways, they should they should win the 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 Eastern um, Eastern Michigan game. They should win against Missouri. They should win against Ole Miss. I would think but that's tough. Um, so that gets them to like, like six wins, and then they might get to seven. Like I don't know if that calls them real. Then they're, they're real. I think that they're they're not a fun team to play. They and, still might beat Louisville at the end of the season, and they may beat Louisville at the end of the year. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I still think they're like a seven to five team. Which is pretty good. For Kentucky football, that's real. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, uh, one more thing I wanted to get your – I know that you went back and rewatched it because I saw you tweeting about it. I am very, very concerned about Stanford. I felt like uh, – Yeah. I, f- I, I felt like David Shaw was so angry at everything. He was picking fights with the opposing coaching staff going into halftime. He was standing by himself around no other coaches and players. And at the end of the game, he just let the clock run out. Yeah, he didn't even he had two timeouts <laughs> and just didn't even make San Diego State run plays. That that's there's some yeah. I'm they're, concerned. They're, I you know, defensively, the front seven guys are not making quite I mean, I, I don't know they have the playmakers there that they have in the past. Um I also think Keller Christ is getting exposed a little bit. Um yeah, there's just something there's something missing here. You know, it's it's funny because Bryce Love is so explosive and sometimes that that run game is like the most beautiful thing in football, the way that they can open up holes um and and the way Bryce Love can get loose, but you know, he's like for example, like Bryce Love as good as he is running the football, he he looked really bad at pass protection. Mm. And you know, gave up a couple sacks, one of which was a a fumble, and like that's the sort of stuff that they're missing from like a Christian McCaffrey more so than than the big playability. I think they've just got a couple of like those type of things that just the screws are are loose right now, and it's got to tighten up. And 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 I think this is still the type of team that by the end of the season is going to be r- really tough. But right now, I think they're figuring things out a little bit. Um, they couldn't get a stop, and Rashad Penny's nasty. Like Rashad Penny's a very good running back, and San Diego State could be, you know, one of these could be a Group of Five team that's competing for the Golden Ticket into one of those big New Year's Six bowl games. But like, I am not used to seeing Stanford in a tight game needing so many stops and failing to do so again and again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit um, Western Michigan versus USC-esque. And just mm. sort of, they weren't, it wasn't like San Diego State was like, you know, throwing the ball around the yard and, and hitting big chunk play. They, they were just sort of grinding away yards. Um, and you're not used to seeing that out of a Stanford defense. So I agree there's some concerns there. Um, but I still think Stanford's going to be, again, they're, they're, it's going to be a disappointing year given that like after Rice, people like me, we're like, well, is, this, is, this, is this a playoff team? Um, 
but I still think by end of the year, the the record might look bad, but they're going to be like that. I'm predicting right now Stanford blows somebody out in a bowl game. Okay, like, they're, they're going to win. They're going to win by 28 points in a bowl game. That's my that's my September 18th prediction of Stanford. Now that their record might be eight and four eight going and four, into it, yeah. But uh, but they'll get to nine and four with an impressive win. Who would you favor in the Stanford Notre Dame game right now? If they were to play today, I think I would favor Notre Dame. And then you're holding out till the end to see if Stanford can get that rush defense together. Right. I think they could they could look different by the end of the year. I got you. Uh, anything else from the notebook that you want to get out? Uh, one thing I want to give a, a a shout out to Austin P. They won one game in their last 47 before this weekend. 29-game losing streak, 29 straight. They beat Moorhead State 69-13. to And this is the same Austin P team that outgained Cincinnati and almost beat them and played Miami, Ohio extremely close, too. It was a decent MAC team this year. Will Healy, the head coach there, is a future star. Um, like He's going to be there for a few years. But he's going to be the type of guy I think that gets hired in like a, a power. Like I think he'll have a power five job someday. Mm. So just remember now again, September eighteenth, two thousand seventeen. Will Healy at Austin P. The the way they've turned that around as quickly as they have is kind of crazy. Like sort of borderline, like like uh, unbelievable. Um, so you know, we'll, I, I'm anxious to see how they do the rest of the year. But for again, that's that that's been the worst team in in division one football for the past four years and all of a sudden they're uh playing with power five teams and and blowing out fcs teams so that'll be interesting to watch shout out to will healy austin p getting it turned around uh thank you barton we appreciate it make sure you follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can follow me at chip underscore patterson we got a loaded week this week all looking ahead uh to the week for action make sure that you subscribe to the 24 7 sports college football podcast on itunes on TuneIn, on stitcher because subscribers get them first barton thank you very much sir sure.